Welcome to the T-Hood Podcast. I'm Moby. And I'm Leland Steele. Yes, it was an April Fool's. The ghost of Marty came oh, and went. Yeah, just like Christmas. Yeah. We had three variations of Marty. We only got one on mic. Yeah. But we did get visited by three. We did get visited. Yeah, it was the ghost of Marty past that we had. That was <laughs> yes. the good one. Ah, oh, the good old days. The uh, ghost of Marty future basically tried to make us gym into our graves. Pointed at our <laughs> yeah. graves and was like, but deadlifts till you're dead. He was able to massage our aches and pains away. Yeah. Should we perform some uh, uh, imperfect well, and it was, form? It was very interesting how focused our aches and pains were. To <laughs> <laughs> but the ghost made him go away. Hey, if a ghost did it, it can't be bad. That's, yeah. It's not gay if a ghost jerks you off, is it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wasn't saying. <laughs> it's hot talk. Ghost back in the room here. Um, yes, uh, Marty's gone. Uh, as Leland and I know at the time of this recording, he's extremely busy. He's He has nothing but stuff to do yeah, no, all day. Not a goddamn thing. Uh, <laughs> Are we going to bonus uh, endgame? We're going to bonus that? Oh, I, oh totally. Yeah. I want to bonus it. We just got to make sure... I don't know. Do you have your tickets already or no? No. Okay. No. Well, let's try to see if we can see it together. Yeah. I, sure. I would love to do, I don't know if we can make it happen East. When does it come out? It doesn't come out. Because of the 25th. The 25th. Yeah. It's uh, what I want to get you. I specifically want to get you on this because now I'm contact co- content director. So I get to say I want to get you like this. <laughs> I want to get you in the zone. But I just want you fired up immediately after the movie with yeah. everything in mind. What's yeah. happened in the two films. We can discuss. Yeah. That's why we need a bonus. Totally. I agree. So. Uh, well, you know, maybe if we see it with Marty, he'll want to pipe chime in on it, too. Do we have to buy ghost tickets still, you know? <laughs> I hope they get, like, half price. Okay. Well, <laughs> I hope so, too. Especially without damn expensive movie tickets on these yeah, days. That's ridiculous. another thing. But, listener, um, as your new content director, or I guess not so new... I had an idea for this episode, which was a theme, and this episode is called Unnecessary. Leland Steele's late 2018, early 2019 (laughs) catchphrase, Unnecessary. (laughs) And so this will basically be focused on unnecessary stuff with the exception of the final segment, but... You can easily twist that final segment oh, yeah. to be unnecessary, oh, yes. and I think we're going to dump in, yeah. in there as well. But yeah, let's start banter. Sure. Uh, what do you What do you got, Lima? Well, I didn't really have anything prepared, but just kind of off the cuff, uh, which kind of ties into our movie musings, that uh, the uh, latest uh, Joaquin Phoenix Joker trailer. Yes. So after one trailer, apparently there are quite a number of people taking to social media and complaining about it and how, oh, another disenfranchised white male incent- no way incentivizing white male terrorism okay I, i'm com- almost speechless i've not heard about how how based off of one single trailer that gave us zero plot points how now we're supposed to feel sympathetic for this 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 white male who you know down on his luck and i think one was like almost quoted like Oh great! We're supposed to sympathize with this this guy who had one bad day and now wants to go enact violence on people. You, you know, honestly, if you think that it's you're nuts. fucked, you're it's fucked. Nuts. Like I, I'm not going to have any time for that bullshit. If you know anything about who the Joker is or was <laughs> or what his story is, oh, that's uh, it's oh, pretty brutal. It's, it's pretty brutal. I, it just it robs the joy out of everything. Well, I just don't. 
Okay, so I don't understand how, like, these these detractors come out for this movie that is high profile. Yeah. But how many other movies with a white male antagonist, protagonist, whatever he plays, that is outdoing violence? I mean, John, how about John Wick? How come no one's bitching about John Wick? John Wick's dog died and he went on a killing spree. Yeah. And continues to go on to Killing Spree and now coming out his third movie, which is coming out. And those movies are awesome. But no one was bitching about John Wick. Take half of Liam Neeson's fucking career. And he, <laughs> you know, his his latter career since like Schindler's List yeah, has know. been him as an old grumpy man. Yeah. Kicking ass. Yeah. You know what? It, it it's so it like strains my mind and gives me a partial headache to even try to see the trailer from those people's perspectives. Yeah. I, it's like the mental gymnastics required. I don't know. You know I, don't I feel sad for them. It. I don't understand it. I mean, they it's, want attention. It is entirely going to be a, a one thing to have that critique after seeing the full length film. And if you feel the same way, okay, I guess. But like, it's one trailer. It's a trailer. That, it's, okay. I mean, one, it's one trailer of a character's origin that we don't really fucking need. <laughs> I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it quite yet. Yes. But uh, we're, we're seeing this origin of a character whose origin is purposely left in the air, in, you know, question marks. And I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get, get it. it either. I don't get it but either. You can, uh, it's crazy. It's nuts. Oh, I hate that. Screw those people. I just hope they're not in the movie theater with me when I'm seeing it. Well, I'm, I'm imagining that they wouldn't want to support homegrown terrorism and not see it absolutely (laughs) because when i think realistic modern terrorism i think joaquin phoenix's joke (laughs) (laughs) you deserve to be laughed at you near do wells (laughs) there yes moby's pulling out like middle ages slang yeah we know moby's pissed when he does that (laughs) (laughs) thou shalt not defy me okay so my banter is two very closely related points um and i'm Happy and miffed over it. So it came out this last week. This is what I'm happy about. Uh, After Bumblebee's critical success and moderate fan success, Michael Bay is no longer involved in the Transformers franchise. At all? At all. He's even out of the writing room. Wow. And so I want to like almost cue cheesy, yay, clapping, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out, Bay. (laughs) You know, I thought, I think a lot of people like his 2007 film that kind of, made Transformers back in the mainstream, but yeah. he absolutely shit the bed with the sequels. It's kind of, yeah, it's just like a nosedive in quality. It is a nosedive. And it's like a nosedive that like goes through the bottom of the pool, breaks the concrete and heads <laughs> yeah. like straight down to China. Right. Literally, pops, the pops, fourth movie was in China. Pops out on the other side of China. <laughs> so it's, uh, that's a good thing. And uh, they clearly see Bumblebee as the way to go, which I would agree i i loved it i mean it's head and shoulders have you seen it yet? i have yet to see it okay yeah it's head and shoulders above all the other transformers films including 2007 and i hope they go in that direction what i don't like is that it was kind of like an april fool's joke but it was also real and a promotional stunt but Bumblebee actually manufactured VHS tapes, full-on VHS tapes, and mailed them to all these like YouTube celebrities and reviewers. 
Really? And so all these, and they were like for arrival on April 1st or the weekend before. So all these YouTubers were like, hey, look what just showed up. It's a, a you know, Bumblebee VHS. And because it's 80s themed and, uh, you know, there's guys like me, like there's a lot of retro fans that would do anything to buy their, their yeah. get their paws on VHS. Totally. And then it was like an April Fool's joke. It's like, yeah, we made them and we made a few hundred and we mailed them away. Um, I tell you, if they don't end up, there's a fan push to that's like, we will not stop until we get the VHS. I'm part of it. They're like <laughs> hounding Paramount on Twitter and hounding the official okay. Bumblebee thing trying to get this VHS. But if they don't get them, like mark my words, 10 years time, those things will collect a pretty premium oh my on, God, yes. on eBay. If, if, if nobody on the marketing team was like, you know what, these are going to become a, an item. Yeah. Then... They're a team full of idiots because, of course, that's going to happen. Of course. Well, and you look like uh, Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. They came out with a cassette tape of all the music. And it like, right. sold out right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People love that retro yeah. shit. Oh, yeah, totally. So, uh, that's what I got. I hope – so, you know, Paramount – our newest Patreon, Paramount. <laughs> if you're going to Patreon us, you need to release that VHS. Thank you for your dollar a month donation. Yes, thank Appreciate you, Paramount it. Pictures. Um, Michael Bay pulled his donation, coincidentally. <laughs> well, he certainly will after hearing this episode. It's okay, he's got to make Bad Boys 4, so. Yep. Um, that's it what I've got for banter. Cool, you want to move on to... Yes, we'll move on to condescending controversy, also known as Moby commits suicide. <laughs> <laughs> I came up with this topic. Uh, I wanted to to be a devil's advocate here. So the topic is, of course, unnecessary. Yep. We would mostly agree. Microtransactions in gaming. Leland is going to attack microtransactions <laughs> in DLC, and I will try to defend it. Valiantly. I feel like the last six episodes, anytime video games come up, we have been attacking microtransactions because they are just ridiculously prevalent everywhere you look. They are. And they become such a big part of gaming. And part of this was I wanted to force myself to like look into them. Are, are, is it just as simple as a cash grab and some marketing dude found out like eight years ago that you can make a ton of money? Um, and I, I found out some stuff. I mean, I'm going to try to defend myself. My sources are going to be dubious, especially for the first one. Oh, boy. I feel like since I'm defending this, that I should probably go first, and then you can attack sure. my okay. point. So my biggest point I have is this, and it comes from an article that was written about, uh, I think, I'm trying to remember who it's from. I can I can find it out, but it was a legitimate source. It was Brad Wardell, CEO of a company called Stardock, and they get in shit for DLC. And he was being interviewed about it. And he said, look, the biggest thing that DLC lets us do as a company is that it breaks the old cycle of layoffs. He said, when we've had a good team together, any video game companies had a good team together. What's happened is you, a small group comes up with the idea for a game, does preliminary designs. You hire a bunch of good people. They make the game for six months to a year. And then you got to lay them off when the game comes out. Because it's sold and there's no more work for them. And you can lose this team dynamic. And he says, what DLC gives the gaming industry is continuity. It lets us keep those good people that we've hired. We can dump the ones we don't want. But we keep the ones that we want. And we can keep them around because they can work on DLC. We can have an income. 
we plan the next game and they're sitting at their desk ready to do it. So my question is to you, do you see any validity in that point or do you want to attack it? No, that makes that makes perfect sense. And and it also makes perfect sense that right away your argument stems from the positive uh, on the, the developer and publisher side. Right. right? Whereas all the negatives come from the consumer side. And to be honest, all of the negative, you're right. At best, it gets neutral for the consumer. Like at best, right? Uh, I do have one point, my last point against that, but yes. We'll get there. But yes. Um, So so that that makes complete sense and all for keeping people working, right? Especially the whole continuity thing, right? Right. You to, if you make a great game. And you're putting out DLC, that DLC should be as good as that fucking game, right? Ideally, of course, which never uh, happens or rarely happens. Sometimes it's better, though, right? But part of that team working on that game, yeah, that's how you keep that that, that quality up. So that completely makes sense to me. But, and actually, I like that you went with the DLC, too, because I immediately thought, oh, microtransactions, like, DLC is very, very closely related. Very close. yeah. Yeah. And I think there is a distinction, but not much of one. <laughs> well, not not from the point that I'm trying to defend, because right. this guy, he would use microtransactions interchangeably with DLC because people oh, still have okay. to program it. His point was it keeps people at work. Okay. And income. I get, I get that. I get that. Okay. So. No, I concede that point. But so the basis of the negative argument is uh, I don't have anything against the practice of microtransactions or downloadable content but the problems you always get into is when there's those there when it's abused yes and that's where all the negative negativity comes from right so but i mean even so a a a publisher a developer could be well shit uh we got no work so let's you know work for six months and put out some crappy two-hour dlc so everyone can stay and yeah. <laughs> have a job i don't how do i don't know because that, that it's a it's it's kind of tricky to me because who are you trying to serve as the developer you're trying to uh, i hope you are trying to serve the consumer right and and feed your team's passion into the project that you are working i mean like the way i look at it people working in the video game industry like they want to be there, right? I mean, it's like many other industries that are hobby centric, right? And based on on uh, hobby consumerism, like those people want to be there, right? Yeah. And they've chosen to be there, so they better or they should enjoy being there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's weird because I don't think I've ever done this in a condescending controversy before, but I almost want to make a point for you, (laughs) which is like, I think DLC and microtransactions, when they're bad, there are obvious predatory aspects that you can point to. Number one, is the content available free, even if you have to work hard to get it? And where I think here is that new Star Wars Battlefront where like the best skins came out of loot boxes. And really does it feel, this is kind of number two, does it feel pay to win? That yeah. if you pay and you play the dice and roll the dice on these microtransactions, are you going to buy yourself like such a huge advantage in the game that especially multiplayer games yep. that you're going to kick the ass of the regular player? And which are, of course, the 
most games that are prevalent with microtransactions yes. are multiplayer games. Yes, um, and that's that's an issue. Third, and this one I haven't read anywhere, but this is one I make up based on games that I think do microtransactions well, is is there po- the possibility of losing substantially when you're when you're like rolling the dice with a microtransaction getting getting less receiving less than the base value of because that at that point you're, you're a fucking slot machine and like a two well casino. how do you how do you put value on that you put value on gameplay characteristics you put value on like i mean there should not be secondary markets for downloadable shit no I, follow 76 I there can, should not be someone should be making sure that shit does not happen i only have two answers and one of them is fully dlc related so i, I want to hold that one to the the second i have two examples the first example that i have that is microtransactions done, done well are the loot crates in world of warships and i know i bring up that game yes but they only started coming out with loot crates three years ago, well after it had become established in the industry. And when they first released them, they released a document saying like, these are exactly what these are. And what they meant by that is they proved that for each loot crate, you will always get your money's worth. And they were like, if you throw $5 in, here are your potential prizes. Here's how much they cost in real currency. You're going to get at minimum this or more. In addition, only in very, very rare cases and very rare ships in that game are they considered overpowered, and they're constantly even rebalancing old ships. So if you win a ship in a crate, which is what everybody wants because they cost lots of real money to buy, the ships aren't really overpowered, unlike overpowered suits in Battlefront or weapons in you know World of Warcraft and mm-hmm. things like that. So you're always going to get your money's worth out of it. Okay. Or more. Or more. Okay, two things. Okay. One, the transparency is huge. Yes. Because all these larger companies are flat out lying to the consumer. Right. Case in point, Fallout 76 is just coming Ugh. out with with in-game, like, microtransactional items that are, like, stat boosting, gameplay affecting. Really? When multiple press releases, citations from developers have said anything available will be cosmetic. And not affect gameplay. That's full on lying. It is 100% lying. And Oh, that is bullshit. So, okay. So, the transparency, that's that's great. But also, the bigger point, too, World of Warships is free-to-play. That's right. That is... Yeah. You have... Give me a free-to-play game. Those developers can do whatever the fuck they want okay. with their microtransactions, in my opinion. Because I didn't pay $60 to play the game. I can see that. To, I didn't pay yeah. $60 to ineffectively be able to play the game and that goes back to the point where you said are are these items available through gameplay right there's always going to be that grind that balance of the grind and whether and of course it's going to be incredibly opinionated whether or not one player base feels the grind is okay compared to this yeah wise over here right i mean assassin's creed odyssey when that i think it was odyssey yeah came out first major complaints this is so grindy why is this so grindy but Marty played it. He said he didn't have a problem with. He didn't feel that it, it was grindy. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> right. It's yeah. Like, yeah. So now I, I concede that there's nothing worse than you spending that sixty bucks and feeling left out because some richy rich can dump an extra 
hundred bucks on yeah. rolling the dice until he scores. Right. But the other the other problem with that is the mo- the microtransaction model is being some seemingly being factored into these companies like the the minimum required effort yes. to get the value on their return. So they are we are getting games that are unfinished and unpolished and being fed force fed lies of these promises that it's going to get better a year two years down the road like i mean i know we just covered we literally just covered that in the triple a segment in the last episode but like we're getting these shit games that we continue to buy like this is it's bullshit it is bullshit. so the model so i don't know if you have more points if you do i'll save my conclusion the my concluding question i want to ask you till the end yeah i got a i got a couple more I I have a good idea. Uh, so IGN, this is way back in 2011, uh, October 9th of 2011. They wrote an article called Why DLC is a Good Thing. And they touched on some of the points I mentioned earlier. But they said one really good example was Borderlands, um, where the main game was huge. It was expansive. You got it. Uh, the DLC did add good substantial content, but it was only $10 for, I guess, these new campaigns, but you didn't feel you were left out. These were like true extras that were added on. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out as a good example of uh, DLC. The most interesting example I have is uh, to do with inflation. And that was from an article. <laughs> Maybe I should, it was from Game Zone, but they have a really weird address that i think is like based out of zambia it's like mweb.co.za but it was it was game zone their article is also it was actually titled the exact same thing as the ign article uh why dlc is a good thing and they said if you look at the inflation rate for games it's actually only been 0.8 percent since the early 90s like Hmm. games yeah we're spending 60 to 80 bucks on games but that's how much they cost that's back then. we were spending 30 years ago. And money, ago. like, in general has inflated. And they actually gave a bunch of examples. So in that time frame, actually, no, just since 2002, gas has gone up 158%. Jesus. Eggs have gone up 73%. Really? Peanut butter. Peanut butter and bacon have gone up. Oh, no. Peanut butter has gone up 40% and bacon's gone up 39% in that wow. time. Wow. You know, how dare they? <laughs> so what their argument is, is that uh, DLC and microtransactions makes up for the inflation loss, allowing these companies to keep the base game around the same as what it was 25 years ago. Right, because the because the process of developing is also impacted by that inflation much more significantly than the inflation on the actual price MSRP of the game. Now, there's a counter to that. And mm-hmm. if you're not going to make that point, I'm going to... What am I doing? Go for I'm it. My I'm point. on autopilot right now. <laughs> okay. Where I'm going to counter that, though, is the fact that what we're getting in in addition to the game itself has gone way down. So we're not getting manuals anymore. A lot of games are getting digital distribution, which costs nothing. Yeah. So your overhead's going right down. Right. That's that's actually my main point there is your overhead's down. I can't remember the last game I got that came with a, a manual, which obviously takes effort and time. You're getting like no inserts. Like you buy a fucking Switch game. It's in a little like eight inch by three inch thing. You crack it open. There's a little scan disc in there. 
Right. It's like, great, I might as well get this, you know, pirated off Craigslist because I'm going to get <laughs> it would look the same. similar. It's going to look the same. Right. So, you know, what I just read sounds good until you take in less okay. overhead. Okay. All right. And I, and I mean, yes, that overhead is going to, you know, add up when you are, especially the digital distribution, when you're talking of like, let's just say for the sake of argument, a million copies, you save packaging costs on a million copies of your game right compare and if you sell two a million digital and a million physical yeah that that adds up but do you think that adds up enough to to cover the costs of the team and the sal- salary inflation of all of these team members and uh just costs of the updated technology and keeping that technology updated like Where's the balance? Again, these it's are a good ridiculously point. hypothetical numbers that we have no real idea of. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Intuitively, I feel like the salaries, the loss of salaries can't make up. Because maybe, I think digital distribution probably has more of an impact. Because I think when yeah. you're like forgoing all packaging and creation, you just got a server that gets downloaded. I mean, you have at, at that point zero distribution overhead, right? Um, unless I guess you know you pay Steam a royalty for having your stuff on Steam, you can make that argument. But I think when it comes to you know not having a manual or inserts, I think that's a lot harder to to say that makes up for inflation. It's probably a small team of like five people that have making these things, right? Um, maybe <laughs> an artist, a couple writers, and it's like yeah, that's not going to make up for inflation. Well, I mean, also like they already have all the assets. It's artwork from the game. So, like, they have that all yeah, already done for the game, too, right? So. No, that's true. Because I think back to, like, the old Zelda manuals. They'd, like, have the, they'd have the same stuff that was on the box. Right. The cover exactly. of the box would be the cover of the, the booklet. It's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> totally. yay. More art. <laughs> um, the only point I have, I actually don't have a conclusion. I, I was just making a, an argument. Um, DLC skips the publisher, like, the funds earned from it, and goes directly to the developer. And oh, so I did not that, know that point was made. Um, Ooh, so that cool. allows a cash injection to the game developer themselves. Right. But you look. Okay. How, did you find uh, how the microtransaction money works? Did you find that anywhere? Uh, no, not specifically. I would have to think it's the, the same, but I, I That's honestly can't say for sure. publisher. It's got to be publisher. It has to be publisher. Why would EA insist on injecting all this shit? Why would Bethesda, like, yeah. why would why would all these and uh, Activision? Why would they? That is a good point. Be so there'd be no home? reason, right? Unless if unless, they're not getting anything, yeah, from it, I mean, they must surely getting they're getting cut. something. Yeah, hundred percent. Maybe that uh, that was in the the article that I'd quoted before from this game zone, but maybe that's not correct. Okay, but you look. So you look at a guy like. Uh, I think his name was Michael Barone. His last name was Barone. The guy that made Stardew Valley. Okay. Like, he made this big update that adds all sorts of new things and, like, new people to marry and the whole multiplayer thing. And he gave it away for free. Yeah. And I was like, if any game people were going to support and pay an extra and pay 10 bucks for, for it, would be that, guy, that guy gave up on millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, you know what? That's that. totally true. <laughs> what an idiot. An idiot, Barone. Harvest Moon guy himself said, you now run my franchise. So I guess that's a that's worth millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. Too. Jeez. Um, that's all I got. So, what's so my, my final question that I 
my final ultimately rhetorical question that I want to ask you is uh, do microtransactions and I will separate them from downloadable content because yes there are far more instances of amazing downloadable content well worth the money or exceeding the money that you would pay for said DLC but microtransactions themselves does the does it need to be a black and white issue like does that what needs to be done to rein in these publishers so they so it's not abused if you are charging an any type of msrp for your game you cannot put you do not put it's like it's frown i mean obviously it would be you can't just mandate it right but it would be frowned upon it would be unethical for lack of a better term to put microtransactions in your game to base your game's model off of a tran- microtransactional yes. model, which originates from free-to-play games. Yes. I don't think the microtransactions should be completely eliminated. I do think they have a space. But they have to be, one, extra to the game. And the game, like, it can't rob you of the overall experience of the game. Two, you have to get equal value for what you put in monetarily. And in order to do that, three, you have to have that transparency. That transparency has to be mandated. These are your possible wins. This is how much they cost. This is how much the loot crates cost. Right. And none of this squirrely going back on your word bullshit like Fallout 76. Is there a bigger disaster in the past few years than that game? Like, think about it. Honestly, between Fallout 76 and Anthem, like, the last, like, decade of gaming is... It's like two two Amtrak bullet trains crashing. Yeah, like, we're, just... like, in some darker a lot of shit's going on with a lot of things though man like the whole uh, whole epic game store exclusivity <sighs> shit that's going on with borderlands 3 right now too it's like people are up in arms over it and the epic game store sucks <laughs> when it was first dropped they didn't even have a shopping cart on an online <laughs> like <laughs> like it's it's really bad and then i guess what i would say to you the fans is why are we buying? We need to take a stand against this shit, but we're so addicted, we want to play the newest game in our favorite franchises, and well, we're part of the problem. I honestly think that, like, like these, like they're just great marketers. Like, these games are marketed very well. And yes, when you're told a bold-faced lie <laughs> to the consumer's face, then I don't know what. You just got to start, like, just mistrust. For one thing... I don't know how Fallout 76 still has a fucking player base. Oh, yeah. How the fuck? I have heard that it has gotten much better, but is still not worth a full MSRP. It was so terrible, though. I don't get it. You see in five minutes of YouTube how terrible it was. Yeah, exactly. I just... And now they're being rewarded for shoveling dog shit and then putting some gold leaf over it. You know, I, I think there is even within the microtransaction themselves like a subsect of of these like loot boxes, quote unquote, and then just like specific cosmetic or even even if you buy a gun, even okay, the latest Call of Duty. I think I messaged you and Marty. The latest Call of Duty re- very recently put out uh, a thirty dollar microtransaction to buy a hammer. In a <laughs> in a first person shooter, you can buy a hammer. <laughs> is this hammer thirty dollars? Yeah, it's a NASA hammer. Cost now, NASA thirty dollars. If any of you out there listening bought that hammer, you, Shame sir man. or ma'am, are a fucking moron. Amen. You are Amen, an unnecessary brother. moron. You are an unnecessary, unnecessary member of the human player. race. Yeah, like you're an idiot. You're a fucking moron. 
Oh yeah, you that is bullshit. That's so stupid. I don't but the, but they do it because people do buy it. Like that's the problem. Microtransactions are always going to be around. But like I have no problem with like throwing cosmetic stuff, I guess. I mean, like I would never buy it. I wouldn't buy it. Especially when I, you're giving me like a character skin for 10 bucks. I'm not going to buy that. <laughs> that's ridiculous. You know what is a cool idea though is um so my brother plays a lot of uh, Counter Strike Go yeah and uh, they actually have a really cool system there so a lot of their cosmetic stuff is actually created by players like players okay. that self teach themselves to make cool patterns and logos and then the money the majority of the money or I don't know all of the money goes to those players to actually support them in being like semi professional at the game that's so cool. my brother buys a lot I think that's cool when that's yeah, going directly like to the that. player. And yeah, it's cosmetic. See, that's the kind of shit that you, that is easy for you to support too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't affect the game if you don't have it. So. Right. That's a cool idea, and that's why I say, you know, it needs to be better defined. The wild west needs to be reined in, but microtransactions do have a place in modern gaming. Yeah, I have to agree. So. It would be, it would be stupid to be just again that black. It's not. It's it can't not be black, black and white. You can't just be like, why is this in my game? Like, exactly. and again, context is key when you're when you're talking about the types of games that Fallout seventy six and Anthem specifically are. Yeah, they. I mean, yes, because they were built that and they were produced that way. But yes, they have this model part of them, and it would almost be weird uh, if they weren't. Uh, I don't right. know, but I think we're just brainwashed. EA has just brainwashed everybody. Yeah, people are just brainwashed. They are brainwashed because we keep shoveling over our money. Fuck. So. I guess let's call it there. I guess. That was almost kind of a draw. I mean, I think you won and lost that one. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, and I tried to fight myself at the same time. Do you realize there was a point where I was making your points and you're making For, mine at the end? Yeah, we did switch. There was a we switch totally over switch. time. I noticed that in the moment, but I'm like, I'm not stopping. Um, well, you know what, Leland? All right. Given the difficulty of defending this, I will concede a draw. All right, I'll take it. Okay. I'll call it stamp that with the girder approval. It's like Thanos. You know, he snaps and half perfect yeah. half disappears. <laughs> Is it half full or half empty? You just can't tell. Um, All right, well, Thanos. well, I'll leave this segment for you to announce. All right, let's uh, another hybrid segment. Unnecessary. The segment I see you have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it sounds like a board game or movie. Unnecessary. The segment. The segment. Yeah. It's like the weird, like behind the scenes of a of a movie. Yeah. But basically, we're going to be talking about unnecessary shit yeah movies video games board games the, the works and my idea here was to both kind of get us riled up and passionate but also kind of be like yeah that is bullshit and unnecessary i think we might bring up some different media that maybe each other has forgotten was unnecessary possibly That's what I um i actually kind of went so i looked at this and i'm like hmm this is a great opportunity for me to be very negative <laughs> so how does that differ from the rest of every other episode that we've ever produced? So I kind of <laughs> went with, you know what? I'm going to find the light in the unnecessary. Oh. So I have found the light, some some light in the unnecessary. I mean, it's predominantly within the board game, obviously. But that's yeah. I've, that's most of what I I have prepared. I uh, I have a little light because I, you know, that was actually one of the sub points that I wrote in the the plan. Yes, um, that's right. But I don't have a lot of light. You know what? Why don't we start on a happy note then, since we're being different? Why don't you throw okay. something good? So, unnecessary, I mean, the definition of unnecessary, something that you do not need, right? So it doesn't, 
for something else to function, you do not need it, right? But that doesn't mean unnecessary things are always bad. And predominant, the first thing that came to mind in this is just like tricked out board game components. Hmm. Those are entirely unnecessary, but they do have a place. They can enhance enhance your your play experience. Um, and also, like you know, with I, I've just I've mentioned it before how I find it fascinating that this this industry. Uh, as small and up and coming as the board game industry really is, has spawned these other much smaller sub industries that feed directly into the the, the mothership, right? Uh, like you know, uh, board game inserts to organize organize your board games in the box kind of thing, and, mm. and these and all these these tricked out components and stuff, and they're but like they're they're entirely unnecessary. Yeah, it, you know, <laughs> as you talk about it for whatever reason reminds me of like hot rotting a car like there's so much extra chrome and paint and stuff like that that goes on hot rotting a car you know really only the engine and you know some drivetrain stuff is necessary (laughs) yeah that's true a hot rod but you you gussy it up you you change things add spoilers um and i think that's cool i think one of the cool things i've learned about the new you know golden age of board gaming is you know, it's putting like creative people to work, being like painters and these small companies. And yeah, it's really attracting a lot of cool people. Yeah, to an industry. It is. It is. Um, and it's. I mean, obviously, it's removing a social stigma from something you and I, but particularly you, like. Like where board games are now really cool, and people yeah. that aren't traditionally nerdy are playing. So yeah, I'd say that for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, cool. I had one instance very recent incident of an unnecessary component so at the end of the march i was at uh terminal table terminal city tabletop con uh in vancouver canada and it was a good weekend i was only there for one day of the weekend but it was fun and we were sitting down um sitting out we kind of took over this uh uh, four table games booth they were uh, they're showing a game that uh chicken chicken heist their game on kickstarter in june (laughs) <laughs> I'm biting my tongue. But it's um, a chicken boo. <laughs> <laughs> but so we actually sat down. We got to play uh, one of the latest, hottest uh, Jamie Stegmaier games, Wingspan, and it's a game about birds. And you're getting birds and getting eggs, and then getting pretty more bird. birds. Pretty yes, bird. pretty birds. Yeah. And but it comes with a little a dice tower in the shape of a like a, a birdhouse. Oh, because, you know, you had to collect food and you there's food dice that you roll and are able to pick from the results kind of thing. Right. So it's just this nice little cool looking component that fits nicely with like the rest of the game, which is beautiful. Nice artwork. Um, The eggs are actually like routinely mistaken for mini eggs. That's what they look like. <laughs> like if you open this the box, it's gonna it has a bag of mini eggs in it. So how many did the ER have to remove? Yeah, right. On Sunday, <laughs> they're, they're really small and easy to pass, though. So that's the okay. <laughs> Leland, but, for the fifth time, they're not mini eggs. <laughs> what are they look ah, like? I just ate five points. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but like that component is entirely unnecessary. You can yes. just kind of roll roll the dice. I mean, yeah, you need to keep them in the tray because as you use the dice, you pull them from the tray and the, that. Die is no longer available, but uh, one of the Fortato uh, games members like she like refused to use it because <laughs> she's like no, and they're like big chunky dice, and it was actually a pain in the ass to put them in the back of this thing because okay. it wasn't into the top, it was into the side, 
And they're literally dice that are like one inch cubes. Wow. So they're chunky dice. And it was a it was a bitch to roll. She's like, no, I'll just roll them in the tray. So she didn't even use this unnecessary component because she did she didn't feel the need to. So completely unnecessary. But I don't know. And and I don't know if it really enhanced my experience. I mean, I like dice towers. Hmm. I don't know. That was just like a a very fine instance of unnecessary components still. Not not reflecting negatively on anyone's experience. No, I... <laughs> Leland, you surprise me. You are... Yeah, you're actually fitting the theme of this somehow. Because it wasn't necessarily unnecessary bad. I just said unnecessary, period. Like right. Neutral. Right. Yeah. And I might as well carry on the, the theme of some good stuff. Um, mine are all movie-related, unfortunately. But... Uh, you know, the king of unnecessary, positive unnecessary in my mind, is Blade Runner 2049. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> it, all the fans that like it, like myself, and I like it better than the original, I still think it's a completely unnecessary movie. It's absolutely not required. The first movie did not call for a sequel. But, yeah. you know, I'm I'm handling You're it. Happy. I'm happy. Um, one that I think you'll agree with me on is the recent Halloween. We enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. Was that... That was necessary unnecessary. to have like a 30 year yeah. sequel. Yes. With yeah. the original actors. But it was good. Um, and actually the biggest surprise that I had for Unnecessary that ended up being good. And I found out this movie has a bigger cult following than I ever thought it did was Tron Legacy. Yeah, I know yeah. it's not that we're not super into it, but Definitely Tron has a subculture and that came out of nowhere. And apparently it's really, really prized. I mean, I like it. I've seen it several times. I own it. But apparently there's this huge like Tron Legacy subculture that thinks it's like the best thing ever hmm that's interesting i didn't know that either that's that's funny so is that would that be considered a cult classic then i know we keep saying we want to have this cult classic discussion that we yeah we have to have that it's my job (laughs) god damn it you had one job one job okay well i'm actually writing down cult classic next episode that's funny yeah i I mean i i didn't mind trying legacy i mean like i had no nostalgic feelings towards the original so i don't know and, and i was actually in the same boat with blade runner 24-9 really i mean like i had no strong feelings either way of the original blade runner uh and i enjoyed 2049 for what it was too right there was lots of things i enjoyed in that movie maybe not all of it but check out episode insert episode number here <laughs> if you want to <laughs> see our review on that but um that what Tron Legacy, like the inception of the de-aging tech, right? Yeah. Like, how did? Oh, it, wait a second. Had it been used before that? No. Because they they that, de-aged Jeff they Bridges. They de-aged Jeff Bridges. Yeah. And if you look at it from a purely technical perspective, that technology is, I think, in five ten years will be so prevalent as that we will see, as far as a technical achievement, that uh, Tron Legacy was necessary in that way. It, Catalyzed oh, or kickstarted. That's a good point. This important thing. Yeah. If it wasn't for Tron Legacy, we would never have Captain Marvel. We would not have Captain Marvel <laughs> as we did, which was a still my favorite part and kind of mind numbing part of that movie. Right. I mean, that's a whole other can of worms because I think that in addition to his de aging, Samuel Jackson, like as an actor, de aged his performance. He probably looked at his early videos. And he's like, I had this oh, much energy yeah. and I spoke faster. Like, it seemed like he was right. a more energetic guy. Oh, that's interesting. 
That's an interesting point that you should have brought up when we were reviewing Captain Marvel, probably. <laughs> the, so we could have discussed it further in our already three-hour episode. What I episode. thought was unnecessary was necessary. <laughs> but, I, you know, I didn't bring it up at the time because I was like, was it really more energy? And then as I thought yeah. about it, I was like, yeah, it was more energy. And uh, then Big Chill, uh, former guest, yeah. saw Captain Marvel a second time. And he's like, yeah, Samuel Jackson was... Was that oh, he liked it enough to see it a second time, eh? Yeah, he actually really likes it. Oh, that's cool. Ton, so, which is cool. Okay, I, I've got some unnecessary that I wonder if you'd agree with me or you'd say, I'd hope you'd agree with me. Uh, first of all, one that I know, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but we all agreed was unnecessary. Solo, Star Wars Solo. I mean, oh, my I goodness. have yet to watch it. A prequel... And it's weird, listener, because this is my favorite Star Wars movie, as I've said, for the new films. But, I mean, make no mistake, Han Solo did not need a prequel film made with some no-name actor. Yeah. Even if they pulled it off decent. Right. So I wanted to bring that up. Well, you could Rogue One was unnecessary, too. Did we really need Rogue One? Uh, you know what? As a hardcore fan, yeah. I, would, I thought about that. Really? I thought about that. Since the very first time, I shit you not, as like a 10-year-old when I watched Star Trek and the op- – there was, sorry, Star Wars. And there was the opening <laughs> crawl on episode four and it said, very beginning, the rebels striking from a secret base have stolen a Death Star plant. I said, I want to see that story. Hmm. I swear I, I thought that. Really? That. I'm oh. like, why can't I see okay. that story? All right. That's – I guess that's valid And so, so that's why I didn't put it there. All the monopolies after Monopoly. <laughs> is there anything more unnecessary? Every iteration of Monopoly ever, yeah. And, you know, listener, just like Google ridiculous Monopoly versions if you want to laugh. Yeah. There is shit there that you would never think existed. <laughs> it's so it, it's so crazy that Leland in his closet has a blank template of Monopoly so we can make one yeah. day our own unnecessary Monopoly. Make our own Monopoly, yeah. We can make T-HUD Monopoly. Yep. Get get the get the listener railroad. <laughs> <laughs> listener railroad. Listener awesome. Gabe, listener Riley. <laughs> that's all we have. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> okay, another one. I forget if I played this with you once, but I definitely played this with lots of other people. Access and Allies D Day because I wanted a few other board games. Yeah, I think you've bitched. Oh that. my goodness, do I hate that game in comparison? <laughs> I mean, it's. It's something nobody wanted. It doesn't even play by the same mechanics for the most part. I mean, it does for the battles, but you don't have, like, money or resources. It's just, uh, it's, it's full of shit. Um, one that I think most fans would agree with, Boondock Saints 2, after they saw it. A yeah. complete copy of the original. Yeah. Yep. Um, just worse. I got that. This one you might argue with me on, because I brought it up before, and I think it was you said this was actually a good game, but Star Trek Catan. Like, did we really need Star Trek Catan? Well, okay. Honestly, you could argue that the entirety of the board game industry is unnecessary. <laughs> no. I mean, I, I why, love... Why does anybody need board... Well, okay. Okay, I could make some weird arguments like lack of yes. power. You don't need to... I mean, you don't need to have electricity. Okay, no, but I'm thinking more like socioeconomic reasons, like... I guess, but you could say that for all entertainment. For yeah, I know, I know. That's where, like, we... Unnecessary is not definable. Well, okay. So but I get what you're saying, though, as a Star Trek Titan. Star well, Trek and, and my point is, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, but why I brought up that game specifically is that I think Catan 
was necessary as one of those first gateway games okay. to get the hobby boutique board game industry hmm. into its golden age way back in the day. Okay. Well, was the J.J. Abrams Star Trek reboot necessary? No. No. <laughs> right. Even though I like it. Was. To uh, mimic the Was the new Star Wars trilogy no. necessary? Uh, yes. Yes, it was. You think, you really think that it was yes. paramount that we had a new Star Wars trilogy? I do. For And you're probably going to say, well, this is bullshit for the reasons what I'm going to give, which is that it was always written as a nine episode series. Now, where you can argue okay. it's bullshit is that most of George Lucas's ideas for uh, eight, uh, seven, eight, nine were thrown out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But it was originally written as a nine episode thing. Okay. I can let that one slide. Uh, I mean, again, I'm just like spitballing yeah, and sure. being devil's advocate, but like that, I don't know. There's some, there's somewhere, does the fandom make something become necessary? Just the existence of a huge fandom, does that, <sighs> does that just automatically make something have merit? I mean, like, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. <laughs> it shouldn't. Because, you know, some of these things obviously sell decent or they wouldn't make more. If all the monopolies after the first monopoly never sold and turned profits, then they wouldn't pump out that shit. Same right. with the Star Wars films. Well, you know, you know what is the first thing that came to my mind for unnecessary is all of these fucking live action Disney remakes. Yes. I have a star beside Oh that. my I have a star. God. If you want to look up the definition of an un- unnecessary, you will see a picture of those live action Disney movies in the motherfucking dictionary. They released, by the way, they released the first full length Lion King trailer this morning. Oh yeah. It, it was amazing in my mind, except for really? Scar's voice. who uh, Everyone agrees. Sounds like a wuss compared to Jeremy. Uh, but who funny. doesn't? It's yeah, Jeremy fucking it's Irons. But um, it does look like an amazing trailer. And I actually, and I was not thinking of podcasting. I wrote right on the comments thread. I said, I something so awesome has never been so unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> because you had a classic movie that's 26 years old. I, that's not so to say. So yeah, it's 26 years old. But it was done perfect. And just, just leave it. Like yeah. it's a classic animation. All, well, all these Disney, these Disney things aren't even sequels. They're not even live action sequels. They're just remaking. Yes, they're just remakes with the same songs. And that again plays into a, an entire other fail of all these industries. There's no fucking originality anywhere. There isn't. It's like these somewhere someone said originality is unnecessary. Yeah, <laughs> and they've ushered in this these slew of remakes that have just somehow just like. It's remake, remake, remake. I mean, the Pet Cemetery remake is unnecessary. Nobody yep. who was asking for nobody. That. Literally, I nobody. It had to have been, and I'm gonna look into this. It had to have been somewhere. Some studios' rights on that particular property were expiring, and they're like, "Hey, let's do something with this before, and let's squeeze out some more money from this." Like what the fuck? No, I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not arguing. I'm not saying that this is should be the reason why. I I think if you were to trace it, I could be wrong. But looking at the timeline, I think Pet Cemetery exists because of how much of a smash hit it was. I think you've got the Stephen okay, King movie, okay. huge smash hit, money okay. out of nowhere. Who was asking for it to be nobody? <laughs> Even though it's awesome, we love it. It was a good movie. We love I'm it. I'm excited to see the second part. But it's unnecessary. It the, is the Tim unnecessary. Curry version was great. 
um, scary, creepy, Hi. and we didn't. It's need so it. funny. That's so. F- is okay. Speaking of Lion King, the animated Lion King sequels, those were unnecessary. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, right? were they unnecessary? But you know what? You're not far off the beaten track. I think you're joking, but I think studio executives probably came to a point in the late '90s where they're like, "We don't need this much originality. It's easier to just remake things or pump out sequels." Right. And, you know, if it's a popular movie, for at least the first sequel, you're guaranteed like an echo audience of people that have to see it because they like the first film, even if they hear it sucks. But you're right. And actually, you know what I think kind of hurt Disney as far as originality goes? And I've said this before. I blogged about it once. Is John Carter, how much that failed yeah. years ago. Yeah. That was kind of, in my mind, one of their last real big original stabs with like a huge budget on a property not too many people knew in the public consciousness and uh it fell terribly flat so yeah man okay now they're just like coming at it's rapid fire the terminator genesis unnecessary oh yeah um Mm -hmm. shit the christian bale terminator was unnecessary terminator 3 was unnecessary terminator 2 judgment day is incredibly necessary um (laughs) it is like like oh it's so necessary it's just like if the if the movie happens to be bad it's unnecessary I you could have ended with Terminator 2 because you you could have theoretically stopped Judgment Day with that movie. And then they go back and say, well, actually, you just delay it. Yeah. So Arnie has to come back again. Right. And I don't even know what the hell they're going to do with this newest one. I've been know. like 70 years old. Because like, it takes place after de-age two. De-age right? them. Except only Disney seems to have the de-aging technology. So. No, yeah. They're certainly not de-aging. I've seen some the first set pictures of Arnie on set. Mm. Okay. I mean, it kind of looks like he did in Genesis. Uh, so he was he's, he's, just, he's a fucking old man. Pops, yeah. Pops the Terminator. He's just an old man. That's How the man. mighty have fallen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just rattle them off. I mean, I was gonna end with the Disney live action trilogy, so we already got, the, or sorry, Disney live action films. Yeah, remake. So I got that out there. When I <laughs> when I think Disney's gonna kick themselves over is giving Ryan Johnson a fucking trilogy after he does one yeah. movie before it's even released. Unnecessary. You know, you know, it's funny, like I was thinking of this the other day. I don't know what I was watching. Something, some no name movie on Netflix, right? Just killing time on a Saturday. And I think it was called Every Day. It was some like Hmm. rom. Nah, it wasn't even a rom-com. It was like some romantic drama. Right. About this kid. uh, And I actually really liked the movie. I did like it. About this kid who wakes up every day in a new kid's body. Like a, per, a person around his age, but never the same person twice. But every morning, he's in a new body and just assumes their identity for 24 hours. Really? Very cool concept. And he meets this girl. And then, you know, he it's instant attraction with each other. And, you know, it's telling the story of this teenage romance from this weird supernatural ability of this of this guy i mean ability wrong word because he can't control it but and i and i really enjoyed it i did like it i mean kind of a sucker for those stupid romantic movies sometimes and but i thought to myself like was this movie necessary and i don't i don't know how the hell do you really judge that well here, here's like, the, this is someone's artistic expression right? yes and i think that's a good point it, if there are movies which are kind of just popcorny fun and they don't really offer anything technologically or to society, 
technically you can make a pretty good argument that they're unnecessary, but I think they're still fun. We enjoy them. They earn decent money. I think if you really want to talk necessary movies, you're talking very serious, dramatic films only for the most part, or films that have technological achievement Mm -hmm. and somehow contribute to culture. I mean, I look, so I mean, I'm primed because we were talking about Liam Neeson, but you know, I think Schindler's List is a necessary movie because it was so graphic in showing people born like, you know, 50 years later what the Holocaust was about. But do we want only those kind of movies to be made? I mean, the suicide right. rate's going to go up for like movie yeah. viewers. I, I throw Saving Private Ryan in there because according to a number of World War II veterans, that actually pretty accurately shows how gruesome and fucked up war really was. Yuck. Do you want every movie to be like that? I mean, I want sometimes just popcorn entertainment. Army of Darkness with Bruce Campbell is not a necessary film. But hot damn, do I love that uh, movie. Yes, it was because Evil Dead 2 left on him getting sucked into a portal. So obviously we needed Army of Darkness to see what's on the other side of that portal. So you hold your tongue there for a second. But speaking of war films, what was that one that we watched that I hated that we reviewed way, way at the beginning of the podcast? War film. That stupid one we saw Dunkirk? on IMAX. Dunkirk. That movie's unnecessary. That movie oh. is wholly unnecessary. Oh. Because I think it teaches about a very important moment in World War II. I didn't learn shit. You didn't learn shit? I just, I, I reaffirmed how much IMAX is a fucking ripoff and, and garbage. And and how... I only like the And same. how proper editing can really make or break a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like... I know. You know... With uh, Tom Hardy's Spitfire plane that defies gravity. <laughs> you know, or or plugging a ship with, you know, holes with your fingers yeah. and trying to do stuff like that. I mean, okay, I see your point. And I certainly think from an IMAX perspective that I, I like the sound in IMAX of like the airplane screeching in. But is that worth an IMAX ticket? No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. And like my dad and my half brother are obsessed, obsessed with Dunkirk. They watch it like twice a week still. Really? They do. Wow. Maybe it's I like should revisit it. No, because I've revisited it like eight times with them and it's not that good. <laughs> it's not that good. Lots of other war movies first that I can write. Well, I mean, I, and I have stated in the past on the record that I'm, I'm not much of a fan of war movies. So, again, yeah. grain of salt, but unnecessary. Unnecessary. So, I think we kind of come to a conclusion that unnecessary doesn't doesn't necessarily mean not entertaining or even good yeah no no it's certainly unnecessary moniker does not come with uh, lack of merit mm-hmm. right they're not synonymous so but when it's due to lack of originality cash grabs cash laziness grab. yeah. that's when it shows the bad form yeah so unnecessary i think we agree cool well, i want to seal that one off move on yeah Stuart. okay this is the fun one this one's Movie Musings. And this one is called The Jokes on Us. <laughs> that was a terrible laugh. But <laughs> I, uh, you know, I actually, with this was inspired by the uh, Joaquin Phoenix trailer for The Joker coming right. out. Uh, we all like The Joker and as a character. Um, and I thought it would be a good idea to discuss the different iterations of The Joker. What we liked, didn't like. In your case, you know, hated and wanted to cast into the fires of hell. <laughs> but, uh, and then rank the jokers that we have so far, which is something we'll do after we discuss them. So, 
I want to... Okay, you want to rank later? Well, I was thinking rank later, but I kind of want to just discuss what each Joker brought to the screen okay. As, okay. as best as and, we can. Okay, sure. Continue. Sorry, I interrupted. No, that's okay. That's okay. And bring up what you want. In it. And I want to go chronologically, just so it doesn't seem like I'm showing bias by who I start with. I see. So the ones that we're going to review are Jack Nicholson, Mark Hamill, Heath Ledger, and Jared Leto. We can't judge Joaquin, unlike the... The social justice warriors after one <laughs> trailer, so we won't. But let's start with Jack Nicholson. Uh, I don't know if I've ever asked you to give me your in-depth thoughts on his performance in 1989 Batman. Well, I I don't think there was anything wrong with it. I think he was very much inspired by um, who was what's the actor's name in? Oh, uh, I know his first name was. I think yeah, it's Caesar Romero. Caesar. Yes, Caesar exactly. Romero. Yes, thank you. Uh, very much inspired by yes. Romero's performance for sure, and I think he did a fine job in a movie that is ultimately not a good Batman movie at all. And it's <laughs> it's, it's a really bad Batman movie. It's like, weird because I don't know if you look it up. I have I've recently looked up Batman nineteen eighty nine retrospectives. Not for this. I've just been on a weird kick, and there are a lot of like. YouTube people that are like saying that movie's aging like a fine wine and it was like really the start of superheroes becoming famous again or like popular again. I'm like, I mean, it was average. Well, I liked it. And when I say it's a bad Batman movie, I mean it is a bad, the character of Batman movie. Okay. It was, yeah, like Batman literally straps a grenade to a dude and drops him down a clock tower or whatever. (laughs) Like... He, yeah. he's he's kill, he's murder fucking people left right and center <laughs> right like it is very clearly tim burton's idea of batman so like yes. as a as a, a characterization of batman it is a fucking bad batman movie <laughs> yeah and it's so weird because it like it's, it's like, like you know th- it's like uh jack's zack snyder bad batman yeah and it, it is, you know, if you watch it again and i watched lots of clips from it i, I haven't watched the thing complete in a few years but, um, I mean, Tim Burton is not an action director. And there's just, like, <sighs> weird close-ups and stuff. And it just I feels weird. I think Tim Burton is ridiculously overrated. Yeah, I Incredibly agree. overrated. He's Well, in a way, he's like Zack Snyder. He has a style. Yes. And everyone pretends that that style makes him a good director. Well, and, and, and everyone seems to think that any type of movie fits into his style. Yeah. I mean, just look at how critically panned the latest remake of Dumbo has been. People are not enjoying that movie. No. And I have heard on some reviews, basically, it's because the movie doesn't seem to be about Dumbo at all. It's focusing weirdly on these characters that don't get fleshed out, are poorly written, and the audiences give a fuck about. Yeah, they came to see Dumbo. (laughs) Right. They didn't, you know, so. Yeah, I I agree. I think even in looks, uh, Nicholson's Joker was meant to look like the 1960s joker yeah um i did really like his performance i thought that he put in a lot of effort um i thought he was very jack nicholson-y which when he (laughs) brings his best stuff is when he brings this jack nicholson craziness like you know if it came out paternity test that he really is nick cage's father (laughs) i could believe that i could buy that based off his best film Um, I mean, he was a big, big name guy at the time. He always was, you know, big name guy to get in that role. But, you know, this this is a story for another time. But, oh, what was his name? 
I mean, I know I know the actor's name. I'm trying to remember who he played. But Al Pacino was in Dick Tracy, and I thought he played a much better bad guy um, from the was he in Two Face or some flat face? I don't know what it was in that Dick Tracy movie. But I remember his performance was like amazing. And so so Jax is good, but he's basically just keeping up with the Joneses. I think. I, I mean, like I think yeah. Keaton threw a lot of himself into that Batman too, but I think he was. I gotta see it again. I remember Keaton sucked as either Bruce Wayne or Batman, but I forget which one he sucked more. I, I think, think it was he Bruce was, Wayne. No, I think it's he's a not a great Batman. Not a great Batman. I think it was just writing all. It's just the writing, man. Because he's a good, like, he's a fantastic actor. It's like, hey, we, you know, I mean, how long had it been since you'd seen a live action portrayal of Batman on a big screen? Like, how long had it been since Adam West had stopped being Batman? Right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, but Batman Returns. No. Forever? What's the second? What's the second one with? The second one is uh, Batman Returns. Oh, that is. I have really, I really like that movie just because Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito is the. Penguin. Oh my god! Yeah. Now, if there, <laughs> if there is a, ever a character worthy of a Tim Burton Ising, it's oh, it's the penguin. penguin. It totally oh, is. It really yeah. is. Like Please. like Tim Burton could have dreamt up the penguin. Like that's how well the penguin fits into tim burton's world <laughs> that's totally true that is such a good point yeah i never thought of yeah. that um do you want to move on to the big h yeah okay well starting with i believe 1993's batman the animated series we were gifted from the <laughs> tv gods with mark fucking hamill yep. as the joker yeah i come on we're both gonna gush but you're gonna gush yeah maybe. no i mean i i again i've mentioned before like he's my Joker. And okay, so that's one thing. I. How did you decide upon this list of four? Um, like those are just the four big ones. Those were just the here. four big ones since what I thought was the modern superhero okay. era. I mean, because very distinctly, Mark Hamill is a, is a voice acting portrayal as everyone else is a yes. physically on screen. But, and I will get into that in my review, but okay. Mark Hamill, he... His gravitas with this character seems to go way beyond just a regular voice actor. Like to many people, not just you, he is the definition of the Joker. And he continually plays him in like critically acclaimed movies and series, more now movies and games. See, that's the thing about Hamill too. He crosses media and does it really well. And I think there has to be something to be said for that. And... You know, his performance is so consistent and how he uses laughter as communication yeah. is so innovative, I think. And I agree. he, like his voice for this character has not broken down over time. I think it has aged like a fine wine. Like he was so good in The Killing Joke mm-hmm. and uh, even seeing you play Arkham Asylum. Yeah. You know, he's, he was like, he pours himself into this and he gets the fans too. And I think that keeps him pumped. And going. Yep. But I mean, the man's long longevity in this role is is like nobody else on the list. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's so many people who voiced the Joker. Brent Spiner voiced the Joker in wow. three episodes of Young Justice. Tony Hale, very recently. He's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, plays Buster in Arrested Development. Okay, yeah, yeah. He recently voiced the Joker in uh, Batman Ninja, which is a great animated Batman movie. I love that. <laughs> really? It was, it was so anime. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, Batman <laughs> and a bunch of villains and Catwoman all get sent back in time to feudal Japan. <laughs> but, like, they arrive at different times. So Batman arrives after, like, the these, these uh, the bad guys have, like, taken over sections of Japan. And they're kind of warring to, to rule Japan. Oh, wow. it's, it is so fucking good. And it gets so anime so fast. And it is glorious. I would 100% recommend. Okay. So good. Yeah, I'll have to give that a look. Yeah. Like, actually, another really talented voice actor just played Joker's Troy Baker. And, mm. man, that guy, talk about range. Like, yeah, his his Joker performance may, may not be nearly as prolific as Hamill. But, like, he has played so many different video game characters and animated characters. I mean, he plays Joel in The Last of Us. He's Booker DeWitt in Bioshock Infinite. He's Ocelot in MGS5. Like... Nice. Like when you when you when like when I see his name on something, I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to, I want to check this out. Wow. So I don't know. I just want to shout out. I mean, there's lots of talented voice actors who have played the Joker, but yeah, just Hamill, just he just reigns supreme. It's just how it is. Yeah. The, I hope he continues to do it. I mean, the man has probably set a world war- record for retiring from a role and <laughs> <laughs> coming back to do it one more time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I just felt okay. I'll throw the question back on you. Imagine if I had left Hamill off the list. I think one of your first questions sure. you go through the list is why. why well, I would have been like, oh, this is obviously just <laughs> physical live action portrayal. And I, and that would just feel wrong. Like that, that would just feel to me wrong to to do that. So leave him off the list. So I didn't. I did not do it. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Well. Played one time in a photo shoot, the Joker, Tommy, uh, Tommy Wiseau. Did he? Yeah, he did actually. Last year, someone was trying to get him. Someone was seriously trying to start a fan movement to get him to be the Joker. Like seriously think he'd be that crazy. And he wanted it. Of course he wanted it. He loves attention. That's worse than Leto. That's worse than Jerry Yes, Tommy Wiseau would be worse than (laughs) Leto as the Joker. Tommy Wiseau would be worse than Tommy Wiseau as Tommy Wiseau. (laughs) Like Leto would be better. Um, well, we got to move on to Heath Ledger. He's the next chronologically. Yeah, this is the kind of the slam dunk high pick. Um, like not meaning highest pick, but when when you rank Joker's, when Joker's are ranked in twenty five years from now, he's still going to be one of the highest picks. Yeah, one time performance. What can you say? Yeah, I I don't know. I I want to say that it is overrated. Not to say that it is mediocre, but it is overrated. And obviously I enjoy it. I mean, the, the Nolan trilogy is a great trilogy. And you could, you, could, you could say a lot of the similar things onto possibly not the greatest Batman movies. But when you, if you looked at it from the other side of this coin and was composing a list of best Batman Christian Bale's Batman would be far lower on a list compared to Ledger's Joker on the, in, on their respective mm-hmm. lists, right? So it's, you know, you, you kind of just match them up, right? Like, and a lot of my comparing and contrasting kind of comes within that juxtaposition of those two roles. So I don't know. Yeah, I think he, he did a great job, obviously. I mean, everyone fucking loves The Dark Knight. Yeah, I think he... He's the one guy that actually turns the Joker into an actually scary character. Like, I mean, he is this crazy, unpredictable monster. 
and he sends chills up my spine when I see him on the screen. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it. there's so much weird stuff, legendary stuff about that performance. I told you a couple weeks ago, came out that where he was beat up in interrogation that was actually completely real. He yeah. had Christian Bale actually beat the shit out of him, <laughs> which is why it looks real. Man, that would be amazing to be dressed in a Batman suit and someone just said, beat the fuck out of me as Batman. I would yeah. be so into that. I would pay to do that. To be beaten or be the beater? To be the beater. Oh. To put on a Batman suit and beat the fuck out of somebody. What if it was me as the Joker? Oh, <laughs> done. <laughs> so done. I might even get a little hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. If we, if, we, if we get our 10,000th Patreon, we'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Trump Donald. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I, Ledger just, I mean, he just poured himself into the role. He, career-defining performance. He had a few other serious, dramatic performances where he was celebrated. But, you know, his career was just starting to crest. And, you know, as a guy who was not just a leading man at all anymore. And was a legitimate, dramatic actor. I was going to say he would win an Oscar one day, but he did win an Oscar. Yeah, just unfortunately after he died. Um, so it it's a role that uh, will forever go down legendary. I, I hope no one mimics his performance. I hope no one tries to mimic it. And I think Leto did a little bit. That I'll See, I think that's where Leto's... Where the inception of Leto's Joker went wrong as they went. They tried too hard not to be anything like it. And I think they went too far. I mean, again, like this is almost this is borderline the same as comparing Leto's performance to Joaquin's performance so far from what we've actually seen. Yeah, like, honestly, honestly, yeah, it's tough to minutes. be like. I mean, I just don't like Jared Leto as an actor, and <laughs> I don't really know why, but I just didn't like him. I mean, it didn't help that Suicide Squad sucks a bunch of dick. Suicide Squad sucked. sucked. The movie was garbage. It was trash. The only gems for me, I did like Harley Quinn and I, I really liked Deadshot. Yeah. But those were characters, not a movie. Right. And, you know, I just got the sense with um, Suicide Squad that so much of Leto's performance was left on the cutting room floor. For better or worse. For better or worse. There's no way they yeah. just brought him in to shoot just those few scenes. Maybe it was just garbage. And someone was Jeez. like, this is bad. Maybe it was just bad. Well, you know, I there's a really interesting article I remember reading before it came out where they were interviewing the director. I think his name was David Ayer or something like that. And they were asking him about Leto's performance. He's like, he's doing a, a thing. He's doing something. I don't know what it is, but but I'm shooting it. And there's like reels of, of camera. And I'm like, what does that mean? That like doesn't bode very well. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, I wonder if hubris... And arrogance got into it where, you know, Leto, he's fresh off an Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. And he thinks, mm. you know, there's this huge role. Nobody thinks you can ever match up to Heath Ledger's, uh, you know, Joker. But I'm going to do it. I'm Jared Leto. I'm going to bring my own thing. Interesting. And yeah. I mean, I really have no idea what Leto is uh, as Leto. Like, I, I just don't. Probably an asshole. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he's a singer, too. If you're a singer and an actor... You know, GTFO. <laughs> well, what about John C. Wiley? If you're a singer and an actor, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so that could very well be it. But like, 
I don't know, you talking about that and like the whole fresh off the Oscar thing, like ready to get out there and just do what you thinking you can do whatever you want. Just like, I don't know why that just reminds me of Brie Larson and Captain Marvel. Yes. I mean, like thrust yeah. into this role off of this huge win for one. I mean, the room, uh, which she won the Oscar for, like she wasn't that great in that movie. The kid stole that movie. Holy shit! That the I, I don't know if that kid got anything because that kid should have took that Oscar home. That was the performance in that movie. Wow. Uh, in my opinion, anyways, I mean, if, to me, the movie wasn't even about Brie Larson. It was about that little kid stuck in this fucking like ten by ten room for the kid's entire life. Right? I don't know. So, but like that, just like those parallels, like ring ring kind of true for me. I think I don't know. Yeah, you know, I did get that same feeling. Yeah. I got that same feeling. It's like, you know, let's quickly get this actor who has cliche because of their Oscar and just stuff them in a superhero movie. And whoa, we've got like cachet now. Right. You know, it's like, no, no. Ugh. But it's like, are they doing that with Joaquin? Because he's like well known as the super dramatic actor. So are they like throwing him in there? I mean, he's not fresh off anything. No. But he's that kind of guy. Well, do you want to move into talking about the trailer or do you want to yeah. run them right Yeah, now? no, I do. I do want to talk about the trailer because where I want to go with this, we talk about the trailer, we rank them, okay. and then we guess where, where we, we think Joaquin okay. will slot in. Okay. After we rank. Sure. My ranking is very easy. Hamill at the top. Okay. Doesn't matter what comes out. Really? That's it? No. You just slot him in? I mean, yeah, Ledger would be second, but. Between Nicholson and Lito, I don't fucking care. It, it literally doesn't matter. And also, to that point, it doesn't fucking matter where Joaquin fits in. I don't give a shit. It's just the Joker movie is going to be stupid. Oh, come on. I, no, I disagree. It's, it's going to that. be stupid. It's going to, it's entirely unnecessary. It's going to be weird and it's going to alienate uh, the hardcore fan base and Joker fans. And to me, the Joker is uninteresting when he's not paired with Batman. I just don't find the Joker as a singular character okay. to be interesting whatsoever. Okay. That's an interesting point. Otherwise, I would have said, like, what? Because they're giving an origin story of a really yeah, I don't character. One, nobody needs a Joker origin story. The reason Ledger's singular performance was so impactful was because we had no idea who this psycho clown was. Okay. We don't need a Joker origin story. Yeah. Nobody wants this. Who's asking for this? Why is this coming in a slew of DC after we've already seen DCEU iteration of joke? Like, what is going on? Yeah, what is Why going on? Why the fuck does this a, exist? A separate iteration of Joker, separate from the DC Expanded what, Universe. Yeah, what's happening? Like, why? <laughs> it's, like about it's like they've gone so nutso that they're developing now, split personalities. I would like really that. love to be wrong. I want to be wrong. Like, I want to love it, sure. I want to love a lot of things that I don't love. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to I love the podcast. <laughs> You've got the new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so prove me wrong, Joker. Prove me wrong. So yeah. What, what's your list? Uh, my list, I guess I, I did rank them, but it would go Hamill. I actually did go Hamill number one. Yeah. And even though I'm not a guy, I did watch him. I did grow up watching him, but I wasn't a super fan like you. His consistency and longevity in the role, how I think he's transcended voice acting with his fame from this i mean he is in many super fans minds or nerds minds he's more famous for joker than 
Luke Skywalker, Skywalker in their mind. Yeah. And that's crazy because to casual movie fans, you know, of course, it's the other way around. Right. Some people don't even know he played Well, it. I think that's also a statement upon the, the recognition that voice actors actually get. Right. I think, too. But again... That's tangenting into a whole other oh. conversation, but we, well, we could tell, we could tangent in the future. I mean, it's um, uh, why am I forgetting the guy's name? But obviously, Mark Hamill has his favorite Batman to play off of. Oh, Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. Yeah. yeah. So that right. goes right into your statement there. Yeah. So I did have Ledger's number two. I think just for one time performance, you're not going to be beat. Mm-hmm. Just you know, it's. It may have been the single greatest acting performance period that I've ever seen. It's certainly like number one or two. I mean, okay. and I'd have to think what number one is. I just have to think harder. <laughs> but it was just, it was sublime. Three, I did put Nicholson. I think if you put him before Leto, you're an idiot. Um, And then you, you go Leto last. But I said, like, honestly, because I've seen the two, I think it's two, two teasers and one full trailer. I've seen about as much Joaquin as Leto, and I would actually put, if I could, I would slot Joaquin already above Leto. Wow. Which says a lot. Um, So let's use that as a segue. I can get on board with that. So, well, I I guess we kind of talked about it a little bit. Well, what did you think of the Joker trailer? You know what? It felt very much, and this may be to its discredit, it felt very much like a Joaquin Phoenix movie like they have their own feel Mm -hmm. and like oh hey by the way he's the joker like it's a character study of a really weird introverted man which is like what joaquin phoenix does right he was like a societal outcast i mean think like he was he was this in fucking gladiator he was still an outcast even though you know he's just he plays awkward creepy introverted dudes yeah and this felt like that i felt like the colors the subdued greens and browns and earth tones how the camera shooting felt Joaquin Phoenix I've seen like all his movies even his like art house movies except for the lobster I haven't seen that I own it actually oh, really some people in my apartment complex there's a free table and someone put a bunch of DVDs one day scoop them all <laughs> nice Moby share not so yeah so I think it looks like a Joaquin Phoenix movie I think it's good I want him to scare me like Ledger did but I don't think he will mm. They kind of show him turning a little bit. And he just seems like, you know, a disturbed uncle who you could still just swat away with a broom. Do you think that they are going to try to direct, portray him in some type of sympathetic light based on that? Yes. Yes, I do. I certainly certainly agree with that. I strongly think that. I definitely agree with that. I think the message of the film even though it's the Joker and it's just some super villain, I think they're using that as a vehicle to show what happens. You know, you seem beat up physically, insulted, yeah. like spit on, all, all these things like that. It's it's about how you can drive people to insanity by making them a societal outcast and bullying and things mm-hmm. like that. I think that's the message the creators want to give. Okay. For better or for worse. Okay. So... They don't want to incite terrorism. No, I don't think they want to incite terrorism. I think they want, if anything, <laughs> actually, you know, the one criticism I did see is people saying like, uh, you know, it, it insults people with mental health issues. See, I was surprised that yes. that wasn't the main thing compared like like the whole like homegrown terrorism thing way overshadowed any of that stuff. I, I wonder if that came like, later. Why is that? I uh, guess. Because like, why is people not like. 
clearly this man has problems and like <laughs> yeah the the comments that I and I disagreed with them but the comments I saw and I was really early on to that trailer were to do with showing people with mental illness in a bad light that they're violent or this or that but I don't think that's the obviously that's not the bent they're trying to go for right what I seriously think they're trying to go for is like how poor treatment can lead people to become violent and right. yeah Mental illness is part of that. Well, it's it's violence begets violence, too. Right. And, well, okay. So, in 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 the small modicum of credence that could possibly be lent to some of these arguments is that you take a character like the Joker and you that has this very specific source material and very violent and sadistic source material, and then they decide to put their own spin on that source material, whatever aspects they decide to leave out, whatever aspects they may overblow compared to some you know other personality traits of him and then it becomes this warped thing that is removed from the source material despite how eloquently or ineloquently the source material handled it and then you have this weird warped thing that possibly could be written off as somebody's agenda like does that make it a target for these kind of criticisms more so than Hmm. okay you pick up you pick up uh um well, okay, yeah, you pick up the killing joke or death in the family and look at how, you know, like Joker's literally just running around paralyzing people, right? And like taking pictures of paralyzed daughters and showing them to their father and like t- for psychological torture. And like, why is nobody like up in arms over these, the, the source material and like the shit portrayed in the source material? And again, uh, you like it because because of the mainstreamness the mainstreamality <laughs> of coined a new words here baby. we go the mainstreamality of this big high budget film yeah high profile film like it makes no sense to me why are why why are some of these arguments so apparently valid in specific instances but only when it's convenient for someone to think that it's valid Hmm. Or when they think it's going to get the most light onto the argument, I, I guess that's I can kind of what I think. It I is. guess I can see merit in that, but I don't agree with that though because it's very hypocritical. It's like if they had dove beneath the surface. I'm not saying they should attack the Joker for other things, but I'm saying like yeah, there's lots of other source material that's could be construed as more obviously worse than a Joaquin uh, Phoenix trailer. I. You know what I think it is is it's like I guess, but I, I guess the problem is just the propagation of these attitudes. Yeah, that that I hate too is how so many people seem to start holding these attitudes, and it's like this is just nuts. Well, I mean the 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 argument against the propagation of the attitudes of the Joker, like the oh. the thing that like that shit. But well, I think I think the fact that they're trying to humanize the character actually feeds into this. It becomes yeah. more relatable as, oh, he's someone with mental illness. Oh, he's a white guy terrorist. Right. It actually tr- grounds him more down to earth than, you know, if he's a crazy cartoon paralyzing yeah. people with pixie dust. Right. Or or fighting a guy in a leather suit with a cape. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like that's so obviously fantasy and unrelated to to everyday right. life okay so what difference okay do you think if ledger's performance came out now what would the similar criticism i mean obviously they're they're clearly being portrayed very differently these two characters the same character being portrayed very differently just uh, literally it just comes boils down to context of the character right yeah i i think that ledger's joker was so bizarre so 
Unrelatable. I mean, he, unrelatable because he had no origin story too. Like you said, he's just so wacky, like in a in a terrifying way that because you can't relate him, you can't make him down to earth. He's harder to criticize. Yeah, like these. Okay. Well, I mean, to me, Walking Phoenix getting bullied and then donning a clown mask and going on a murder spree is unrelatable. <laughs> I don't I relate to that character. <laughs> yep. I don't relate to any of the tribulations that the character. I've never been bullied in my life. I don't relate to any of that, right? On well, like you a very your deep womb at six foot five. <laughs> that's gonna happen, right? And that that I mean, yes, I've never been disenfranchised in my life, but and I guess that like I'll never relate to that character. Right. Am I missing something than not being able to feel that groundedness and that that connection that they're clearly trying to go for, right? Or yeah. that they want to evoke in at least some type of audience. Um, that, that's that's actually really interesting you say that because I was both bullied harshly and actually became a and bully. A bully yeah. And so I seen both sides. And I was thinking of that watching the trailer. Like I had a, a gut reaction, a gut feeling to seeing him getting like sucker punched, you know, yeah. when he's doing his work and kicked on the ground. And then I, I remember when I finally got power by turning one of my bullies to become my ally i remember that feeling of power and wanting to lash out against hmm. the world and i mean terribly i lashed out against other kids that didn't deserve it because sure, sure. they're always easy pickers. right and the, the cycle repeats and the cycle repeats so yes that is relatable to me now hmm. i don't think it's bad i don't think it's like you know any of these criticisms that have right been that doesn't mean you are relatable. for violence initiated due to some type of mental illness (laughs) no but i mean i also you know because of my university i do understand more about mental illness than the lay person in the public Mm. and i understand how it sometimes can be violent and sometimes not and yeah for everything i've seen so far they're they're not treating his mental illness in an exploitationist way it doesn't seem that way at all he's just like a weird dude He's just a weird dude. He's just very clearly an outcast well, in all aspects of society. And and that's the point. There are weird dudes that, you know, can be very successful. Like, look at Stephen King. Like, the man, the man yeah. makes tons of money. He's a prolific writer. He's celebrated. He's still a really weird dude. Yeah. Tim Burton the same way. Right. Right. And you just, you get weird people like that. Yeah. So, do you think they're going to... This is my thing. Despite all the Joker's faults and the eccentricities, with those eccentricities come comes a brilliant mind still. Like, I mean, like, the, yeah. the, the, the contraptions and the tricks and the traps that he, you know, concocts up, like, they're, they're fiendishly intelligent, right? So, like, so far, Joaquin's Joker is not that... Yeah. But is is that just because okay, this particular trailer we've seen we've seen the quote unquote sympathetic side or, or right aspect of of the film itself and then but what we don't see and what has yet to be portrayed to us is that like yeah, he's an outcast but like he actually is like a part of this higher intelligence like is it his is it his overintelligence that is making him this outcast? Like is that going to be part of it? Like you know, you know like you know, Very like akin to like a high functioning autistic person, seemingly by all social standards an outcast, but yet this very intelligent and thoughtful person that you just off the bat don't really understand because you know he's, they may be a little different than you. 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, it, obviously it's conjecture at this point. Oh yeah, totally. So little. <laughs> yeah, I actually believe they will not make him look quite intelligent. I okay. think they will go to the bent that this is an ordinary Joe who just happens to be weird, who's pushed to this extreme, hmm. and he pours whatever he has left of himself into being this, this character that you know says that uh, you know his life's a joke, his life's a comedy. Hmm. And that's what I think. I think they're they're trying to show that it's an average Joe that can turn. So he's just going to be thuggish then. Yeah, I think you're so going to see that. Okay, I then. think that's even hinted in the trailer. So this character, that, like it could it could be a character, but it could be called anything. It could literally be any other character. It doesn't need to be the Joker. Like this is my problem with it. It doesn't need to be the Joker. Then like like in this, yes, they're taking their creative licensing with the character, and they do whatever they want, and they slap this name on it, so it gets attention. But it's not. Yes. Then it doesn't. uh, Yes. And I think actually you're touching on what I said at the very beginning about this film is that it feels like a Joaquin Phoenix character study instead of a Joker movie. Okay. Yes. And so I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope that's turned around in the end because if not, because even if I think it's a great acting performance, even if I think it's a great character study about a bullied man who snaps. By throwing the Joker moniker on there, the label, if it doesn't actually have much to do with the Joker, and it, like you said, it could have been anything else, I will leave disappointed. Yeah. I will. Because then I'll, I'll be right. like, DC, what are you doing, first of all? Well, yes. And and this, so, back, and to my, to my point about, like, the Joker is not the Joker without Batman, expressed and written thousands of times by the Joker himself within the source material, right? Like... It makes no sense to me. I don't understand it. And just because you give a guy a clown mask and make him a little murdery does not make the Joker, right? Like, no. I, it makes no fucking sense to me. And that's why I don't give a shit about this. And that's why watching the trailer, I'm like, wait, well, I like Walking Phoenix too. I'm I'm a fan of his. And I'm like, okay, I'm interested because it's like Walking Phoenix. And I, I, I'm interested to see what he does with it. But, like, at the same time, like, I don't give a shit because where's Batman? <laughs> so, okay. So, this movie, huge success. Hypotheticals. What does WB do next with some of their characters? Like, what – did they expect this to lead them into some crazy plan that they have to revitalize their whole franchise? And You get all these one-offs. Catwoman and Opus. Oh, Jesus. We don't need another Catwoman. That <laughs> is for sure. I don't know what happens. What what happens? That what do they do? I mean, I've heard oh. Sh- Shazam's pretty cool. For yeah, I heard that too. DCU. But isn't Shazam part of the DCU? I yeah, I think so. I assume so. Yeah, I, I heard it's quite good. Chris Stuckman, my favorite reviewer, really liked it, yeah. so I want to see it. I would like um, to see it too. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's like when DC seems to focus on its characters, they do do better. Like when they focus on just bringing a bunch of their characters together to make a Marvel type expanded universe yeah those are their movies that are average to below average to sucky yep. they're ensemble projects what do i think i mean i i joked about catwoman but i do think if joker is a big hit i think they will do these smaller scale realistic as they would think character studies of their different heroes you i mean you'll probably get that batman standalone greenlit by someone with someone as batman soon <laughs> And it'll be a similar thing. Like, honestly, I don't to even. To bat or not to bat? Yeah, right. That is the question. Honestly, I don't want that either. No. No. How could I want that? I mean, like, <laughs> the track record is not a good record. The track is gravelly, it's full of weeds. You just, you don't want to walk it. 
You certainly can't run on it because you'll trip and you fall and you've hit your fucking face and knock some teeth out. That's yeah. what has continuously happened with the DCEU. But I mean, okay, so, you know, obviously Wonder Woman was a big hit. Aquaman was a big hit. They are starting to move in a direction. Like, they're just going to look at profits. And they're going to say, like, doing these standalone films with these different genres and, and you know, like I said, character studies is bringing us money. And yeah. fans generally like it. So studios, I mean, they love that shit. It's like, oh, it's a pattern. We can follow a pattern. Right. And so they're going to yes. keep doing that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's uh, kind of made me think of something interesting, like how in about the hey- the heyday of the MCU, about phase two-ish, right? Middle of phase two. That was the heyday of the MCU. And we were getting, and we commented on how we are getting these different genres of superhero movies. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the later phase of the MCU has completely disregarded that. That's not happening anymore. Yeah. Uh, they've shifted away, so they... All in, all in concession to Infinity War, right? Like that's basically what what happened. They just mm-hmm. had to, you know what? This doesn't work. We this is what we're building for, and this is how we're going to build that way. Yep, they completely changed yeah. the rudder. And now DCEU, yeah. boom, they're doing their their one eighty as well. It's kind of that's weird. interesting. It's I did not weird. notice that dichotomy. Yeah. How they flipped around like that. Um, so I I honestly don't know what Phase Four for Marvel is going to be like. Like, oh yeah, that's a can of worms on it. I guess we can talk about that when we review Endgame. Yeah, and and let me just point this out there. I don't, I don't think it looks good. I think you've weaved everything to build up to this huge explosion of you know end game, and then I think you know once you get past that, almost anything you do is going to be a letdown. It's it's literally like we've been on this rocket to hit the edge of the universe, and now we've hit it, and there's nothing on outside of the edge of the universe. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's there's nothing there <laughs> it's gonna be well, like uh, i had i had heard and um don't know if this is confirmed entirely but i had heard that like there's gonna be a whole a full year of no marvel movies after endgame or i'm uh, sorry after homecoming 2 after okay after I, was, yeah, I was gonna 2. say homecoming after spider-man 2. 2 there's like nothing's in production there's gonna be like a whole year just a year of no releases mcu take a break and then come back. Again, I, I don't know how verified that is, but yeah, that, that's I don't what know I've either. heard. Well, I mean, because you know Guardians 3 is now on the go. So they brought James Gunn back. Well, so yeah, has happen. it in like pre-production? Well, that's the thing. I, I don't... I mean, it, it must be in pre-production now yeah, with Gunn okay. back. And he, yeah. he had worked on it before he was fired. Yeah. So... Maybe that Maybe that's just the one that maybe brings that it back. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I just... It was funny because when he said, you know, rocket ship to the edge of the universe, I just remember Chris Evans on the motorcycle and Cabin in the Woods or whatever. Wasn't it? Like That's splat. not Chris Evans. That was Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. I always mix them up. Yes, you do mix them up, yes. Okay, Chris Hemsworth yes. on a motorcycle. That was Hemsworth before he got jacked. Right. Because they filmed it before he was Thor, and but it released into... That's okay. released a few years after. We don't care. We don't care about when he got jacked. We care about when he got funny. In Ragnarok. (laughs) (laughs) That is his moment. (laughs) That's right. Well, anything else? Do you have anything I I honestly don't. I've gone through all my lists. I'm good. I'm neither excited. I guess I shit on the Joker trailer. So, yeah, I can't say I'm neutral on it. (laughs) But, like, when I watch it, I'm like, I don't know what to feel. Yeah, I I, I don't know what to feel. I'm keeping an open mind. I'm subtly excited. There are lots of other films I'm more excited for that are yeah. on the... I'm not just talking about superhero movies, like lots of other movies that come before this. Right. 
Fuck, I'm more excited for Lion King. <laughs> Joker. Oh my god, I better watch this trailer. Yeah. I guess. It's a, yeah, it's pretty good. But I've already declared I will not see that movie. We'll watch the trailer as soon as we uh, we end this. All right. But I just want to give a quick shout out before you do the end of show stuff. I want to wish uh, congratulations to Shannon Perola of uh, Game of Nerds, our first oh, guest. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, she she is with child, a young. <laughs> A young nerd festers within her. I'm so sorry. So congrats. I'm so sorry, Shannon. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry that this curse has been bestowed upon you by your husband. Yes. Yes. He's a bad, bad man. I, I guess so. But uh... <laughs> children are the devil. That went off the rails. <laughs> congratulations, Shannon. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, so a heartfelt congratulations from your friends at the T-Hud podcast. Yes, thank you. I was like opening like a, a, a Christmas card. And may he ever Patreon us. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Uh, end of show stuff. All right, end of show stuff. Uh, you can find our website and some written content, links to all our social media on ttpodcast.com. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I'm on Twitter. We've yet to make a TT Podcast Twitter. Should probably do that. Uh, and just a reminder, I guess this will actually be the first episode of the full transition to Podbean. We have a Patreon if you are so inclined. I think that's it. I have been Leland Steele. I've been Moby. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.